Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast of the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is the service from December 12th, 2021. Thank you and God bless.
Well, I remembered how to get up here. I'm going to stand way back, so I'm 12 feet away from anybody. But uh, I think it's very. I think that scripture is very appropriate because it started with sing, O Zion, and that's what we're doing today. And we're singing songs about singing. I thought that was appropriate for the first time. So number 57. Fifty-seven. <clears throat> Wait for just a minute here. Fifty-seven. <clears throat> Awake and sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Wake every heart and every tongue to praise the Savior's name. Sing of his dying love. Sing of his rising power. Sing how he above for those whose sins he bore. Sing on your heavenly way, ye ransomed sinners sing. Sing on rejoicing every day in Christ the glorious King. Soon shall you hear him say, ye blessed children. Eight hundred thirty-nine. Eight hundred thirty-nine. <clears throat> <clears throat> what a song of delight in the city so bright will be wafted neath heaven's fair dome. How the ransomed will raise happy songs in his praise. When all of God's singers get home, when all of God's singers get home, whenever a sorrow will come, there'll be no place like home when all of God's singers get home. As we sing here on earth, songs of sadness or mirth, tis a foretaste of rapture to come. But our joy can't compare with the glory up there when all of God's singers get home. When all of God's singers get home, whenever a sorrow will come, there'll be no place like home when all of God's singers get home. Having overcome sin, hallelujah, amen, be heard in that land or the home. Every heart will be light and each face will be bright when all of God's singers get home. When all of God's singers get home, whenever 
together this morning to praise you. We rejoice in your comfort and we give you praise. We exalt your name with song. We sing to you because you have done glorious things. You are great among us. Help us to look to you this morning with confidence and gladness, even as we struggle with anxiety and doubt, and we feel fear and anger. Be with us in our distress. We are grieved this morning by many things. We are grieved by great tragedies. We've witnessed tornadoes, destruction, fear, pandemic, so much loss of life and livelihood that we do not understand. We are also grieved by the unseen and hidden heartbreaks, the unkind words, the confusion and regret in our daily interactions. <clears throat> Give us peace, Lord. You know our suffering. Today we lift up people in our family. We thank you for good news and we pray for continued healing. We lift up Mary Ann, Ray, Chuck, Christy, Joyce, Nancy, Shelley, Aiden, Brett, Skyler, Jane, Pam, Debbie, and so many more. We also thank you and lift, you, lift up our missionaries Please give them courage and rest as they do good, difficult work. Jason and Emily, Lindsay, Manuel, Hiawatha, Byron, Snizana. Today we exalt your name together. We know that you know our hearts. You know us because you made us like you and you made Jesus like us. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Ninety-three. <clears throat> Ninety-three. <clears throat> 
Christ for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring, with loving zeal, the poor and them that mourn, the faint and overborn, sin sick and sorrow worn, whom Christ doth heal, Christ for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring with fervent prayer. The wayward and the lost by restless passions tossed, redeemed at countless cost from dark despair. Christ for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring with one accord. With us the work to share, with us reproach to dare, with us the cross to bear for Christ our Lord. Christ for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring with joyful song. The newborn souls whose days reclaimed from error's ways, inspired with hope and praise to Christ belong. The song for our lesson, just so that JP knows when to get up. <clears throat> 388. 388. <clears throat> Let every heart rejoice and sing. Let choral anthems rise. Ye aged men and children, bring to God your sacrifice. For he is good, the Lord is good, and kind are all his ways. With songs and honors sounding loud, the Lord Jehovah praise. While the rocks and the rills, while the vales and the hills are glorious and the praise. Let each prolong the great old song and the God of our fathers praise and the God of our fathers praise. He bids the sun to rise and set in heaven his power is known and earth subdued to him shall yet bow low before his throne for he the Lord is good and kind for all his ways. With songs and honors sounding loud, the Lord Jehovah praise. While the rocks and the rills, while the vales and the hills are glorious and the raise, let each prolong the great old song and the God of our fathers praise. And the God of our fathers praise. Uh, 
church. There's so many things to be thankful for, and I want to begin by just thanking a few people uh, as we begin. Um, If you're visiting with us this morning, this is the first Sunday that we've sung inside. Uh, Last week was the first week that we had had passed communion, Uh, and so there have been kind of a few milestones for us that are very exciting. I do want to thank Larry. Larry puts a lot of time into selecting our songs and preparing for worship. And no ministry of our church was impacted as much as singing, right, by the pandemic, just because of the nature of it. And, uh, and Larry never complained. So, Larry, thank you for your uh, singing outside, no matter how hot and cold it was. I really appreciate him. I also want to thank, thank our, our health team that helped guide us in, in all the choices. Really quickly, uh, the elders decided that none of them had a medical background or science back, well, some of science, but maybe not medicine, um, and decided that we would set aside a health team to help guide us in the decision. So I want to thank Melissa that headed that up. I want to thank Nigel, Laura, uh, Rebecca, Jennifer, and others for that, uh, getting us through. We made it through with great unity, uh, with great respect for one another. There was no known transmission of COVID in this community. Um, Several people had it because of of the nature of their job and the people that they needed to serve. And a few folks have had breakout cases this this fall that were somewhat mild. Um, And we're grateful for how we got through it as a community. Jennifer did a devotional before our Christmas party last week and just talking about Omicron and various things. And she was talking about how she's been processing the fact that, you know, they have Greek letters for all the variants. But she kept processing what it says in Revelation that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. And Jennifer, I've been thinking about that all week. I really appreciate those words. And, and I, don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be boastful, but I don't know what's going to happen. But I'll tell you this. There's no group of people more prepared than this group of people for what happens next because of our vaccination rate, because of our commitment to not let COVID divide us. I don't know what's going to happen, but there's no group of people more prepared than us and give glory to God. In addition to health team, I don't think Kelly, I don't think Beth, a few others, that has just helped a lot of us understand vaccination through this. Uh, so grateful for that. Uh, and then lastly, I was, I was gone last week with a few doing Jill's house in Austin. I want to thank you uh, for preaching this week. I mean, last week. <laughs> this week, you got a sermon on you. I'm going to call you up right now. Um, but thank you for preaching last week. Um, Probably some of you hadn't, hadn't really gotten to know Austin and Erica yet. That's one of the, the interesting things about this is we're all kind of coming back at different times and in different ways. Some of you may not have known some of our newer families that have come recently. So there's a lot of excitement in the air for various reasons. You want to grab a bulletin, we're going to read from Luke 3 in just a second. So I want to share with you um, a life-changing experience I've had the last six months. Many of you are aware that uh, nearby Lipscomb University offers university courses at the women's prison. They've been doing that for, for quite some time. 
In addition to that, for the last few years, they've been offering courses, college courses, at Riverbend Men's Prison. Um, our church has had the great opportunity to set aside scholarship money for many years. We set aside about $5,000 a year for scholarships. Several of our members have taught in that program, Robbie and Randy, Paul Prill. I may be forgetting, maybe someone else has taught there as well. And a number of you, raise your hand if you've gone out to visit a course in the prison over the years. And quite a few of you have. Specifically, there was a summer that Robbie kind of took, some, uh, took folks out there to see that. Um, a year or so ago, uh, Robbie Spivey uh, became the director of that program. And then this past summer, she asked me to, to teach a course. And then I ended up teaching this fall as well. Um, I taught a class on the Old Testament over Zoom uh, in the summer with the men. And then this fall, I was able to go out there on Tuesday nights and teach uh, the Gospel of Luke. And so I spent about 25 Tuesday nights um, with about 13 or 14 men at Riverbend. And uh, I want to share just some experiences I had from that and just kind of some things that, that God showed me. It's not my first experience with incarceration. Um, my grandfather led worship services at the Nashville City Jail for 25 or 30 years. As he passed away about 15 years ago, and he used to take me with him. And I have friends that are incarcerated that, that I visit and, and write letters with and various things. But um, something about going as, as often as I did and in the manner I did, uh, I just want to confess to you some things that were beneath the surface in me that I didn't realize were beneath the surface. I want you to know that every time I drove up to the prison, I, I got nervous when I saw the barbed wire and I saw the gates. And when I would go through the checkpoint and then the gates would shut behind me uh, and you hear that clanking noise, it felt very, it felt very ominous. Uh, and as I would walk across the prison yard to the education building, uh, there were times I, I walked a little faster than I normally would. Like, I, I just confess, I'm not proud of these things, I just confess. I was a little fearful at times. But then I would walk into the education building and I would walk into this room and there was a, a palpable warmth in the room. That was not just temperature, but it was, it was a spiritual energy in that room as I spent time uh, with those men. And, and here's a couple things I, I noticed from those men. Um, they, and once again, this was a, a small segment and it was an isolated group of time. But one of the things I quickly noticed is they're not prone to the types of social posturing that we do so often we don't realize we're doing it, right? So how much in our social interactions, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And you kind of like talk about your week and you minimize the things about yourself you don't like. You maximize the things about yourself that might be impressive. And there's, there's social posturing. And it just really struck me. How quick that there wasn't much, there was an authenticity and there was a humility in those interactions because there wasn't this, this depth of social posturing. And it realized that I think some of it came from an awareness that they know that anybody can look up their name on the internet and know why they're there. And they know that most people will always define them by the worst day of their lives. Can you imagine what that would feel like? If everybody you interact with saw you through the lens of the worst day of your life. And as I read their essays over the last six months with the various things we're, we're talking about, because, right, the Bible has some heavy themes. that, And they had all kinds of different religious perspectives, but the Bible has some heavy themes. And as we process that together, I was struck by 
their honesty and talking about the things they had done, their perseverance and opening up about the things that have been done to them, sometimes very unjust things. And yet this sense of, of hope throughout, because many of them are, are religious and many of them are Christian, and it struck me that those that are Christian, when they talk about Jesus, they talk about Jesus the way we talk about air and water. I need it. And I wonder sometimes if some of us, I mean, I like Jesus. Who doesn't like Jesus, right? But there's a difference between liking Jesus and, and needing Jesus. And here's what I want to confess to you this morning that I'm not proud of and I never would have said out loud, but I realized was in a corner of my heart that I had never shown light on before. When I went to prison the past six months, I thought deep down that I was better than them. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not better than them, and they're not worse or better than me. Like, all of us are sinners. And yet all of us are created in God's image. So we all have this beautiful, immense value that no one can ever take away. No matter what you do, no matter what's done to you. Nothing will ever change the fact that you are beloved because you're created in God's image. And yet no amount of social posturing... No amount of temptation to divide the world into very neat categories of good and bad. And how often do we try to divide the world into very neat categories of good and bad? None of that can change the fact that we are all sinners. And that's what our scripture talks about this morning. So my apologies for the long introduction. Let's stand together and read from Luke chapter 3. And if you'd like to join with me, this is... The, uh, you can join with me in the bold section. This is interaction with John the Baptist, and it picks up the, from the scripture last week, which was the first six verses of Luke. So this is Luke chapter 3, 7 through 18. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly. We're all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all together. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John extorted the people, <laughs> exhorted, not extorted, sorry, Woo! and proclaimed the good news to them. This is God's word. You may be seated. can't trust preachers, right? Um, 
as we've, as I mentioned and Austin made allusion to, we just want to get on to baby Jesus this time of year. And the church calendar takes us through these, these, these passages because there's this preparation. And it's not just that I want to get on to baby Jesus. Like, I'm ready to get on to Easter, right? I can see what's coming on the horizon. And I want the kingdom, right? I'm ready for the kingdom. And the sequence of the Bible tells us that first things come first. And we can't just quickly get to the kingdom. In discipleship, there's no quick fixes. There's no shortcuts. And the first thing that comes is is repentance. And repentance is you've got to own your stuff. you got to own, to put it this way, you got to own your junk and make amends and be prepared to change. If you're not willing to do that, then there's nothing else is really going to come after that. We have to do the first things first. But there's temptation to just kind of hurry through it. And I was meditating on the passage the last few weeks. I thought of what, what my third grade teacher once did. And kids, I want you to imagine teacher did this to you. She was getting really frustrated with us because we weren't reading the instructions on the assignments. So she'd hand out a worksheet and we would just go to problem one and then we'd get confused. And there would be a line at her desk and she would say... What you're asking me is clearly in the instructions at the top of the page. Go sit down. Read the instructions. But we just, we kept diving into problem one. Like, we, like I mean, don't you do this? Every time you sign up for something, you have to check this box. Did you read the copyright and all that stuff? You always just click on it. None of us want to read that, right? Maybe a few of you. There's counseling for you later that like to read all that. But anyway, um, we just want to move on. So this is what she did to us one day. In the instructions, she put, write your name at the top of the paper, and then you don't have to do any of the problems. Just come turn it in, and you'll get 100. I wanted to see if you would read the instructions. (laughs) And so she passed it out. One or two kids figured it out because they read the instructions. So they, they immediately went and turned it in. So what's going on with everybody else? We're like, oh, man, these problems are really hard. I don't think she's taught us these how did that kid finish? How did that kid finish? And everybody else, like, we're starting to get stressed. And I'm like, okay, something's going on. So I read the instructions, went and turned it in, figured it out. But then there were a couple kids that were like, how's everyone else finishing? I'm an idiot. Like, they're starting to get really stressed. And, and finally, finally she stood up and said, guys, this is just an experiment because you're not reading the instructions. You've got to read the instructions. And that's what we do a lot in, in discipleship. We just want to move on to this is the behavior we need to see. This is what the kingdom of God is going to be like. But what we're told through the scriptures is the first thing we have to do is to repent. And to repent is going to involve a level of humility and honesty that we're not, that we don't really like. And it's going to involve a level of transparency because here's what we normally like to do. We normally like to say, repentance, finally. I hope so-and-so really hears that. (laughs) I hope so-and-so is really taking notes on this sermon. I wish so-and-so could hear this. Because when we hear repentance, we always envision a type of people that, boy, they should really repent for all they've done. And the Jews of this time period were the same way. You know, they were caught between a rock and a hard place. On one side, they were caught between 
a very hypocritical religious establishment. A hypocritical religious establishment. And on the other hand, they were caught between a very violent form of empire that was very corrupt. I don't know if you ever had this experience of feeling like you were caught between a hypocritical religious establishment and a corrupt government. But that's where they were. And so they walked around most of the time thinking, boy, the Jewish leaders need to repent. Rome really needs to repent. And guess what? That's true. And it's true in our day. Corrupt forms of government do need to repent. And hypocritical religious establishments do need to repent. But guess what? If we just walk around all the time pointing our finger at other people, we'll never experience the type of change God desires for us. For us. And true change always starts with us. But there's a tendency to want to minimize. We are prone, and we've learned this, we've been reminded of this through the pandemic. Humans are prone to self-protection. We want to protect ourselves. And we do that when it comes to the idea of repentance. So what we do is we minimize the things that we've done. We maximize the things that others have done. Think about the conflict you've had at your work this past week. Think about the conflict you've had in your own home this past week. We minimize what what we've done. We maximize what the other person has done. And it becomes an inability to really see what's going on. The scripture invites us into a form of self-reflection that is very scary at first, but can lead to great health. I remember when I started wearing glasses. I wear contacts now just because I run a lot and various things. But like I remember I failed my driver's permit test when I was 15 because I couldn't see. And I thought I could see fine. But they said he can't have a permit. He, he can't see. And I remember going to the eye doctor and I remember getting glasses. And I remember driving home, sitting up front with my dad. And I said, Dad, there are leaves on the trees. <laughs> he said, son... There have always been leaves on the trees. But to me, trees had become green blobs. And suddenly I saw specific leaves. And it was, it was beautiful. But then there's also a tendency, now I can see. I'm seeing some stuff I wish I couldn't see, right? And when we go through the process of repentance, that's what happens. We see some stuff in our life that is very painful. And I'll tell you, one of the worst things about getting older, now that I'm in my 40s, I'm realizing things in my 20s and 30s that I did not know were sinful, and now I'm realizing it was sinful. With the clarity of hindsight, like, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. And I'm realizing, like, I'm having this clarity of vision. And probably when I'm 60, I'll realize things I did now, right? It's like, but it's this clarity of vision. And with that comes an enormous weight. If you've ever been in a situation where you didn't realize you were doing anything wrong and then suddenly it hits you and you felt a weight, there's this tendency to want to minimize the weight. Recently I was reading through 2 Corinthians and I came to 2 Corinthians 7 and there's a passage that really connected with this that I wanted to read to you. Um, I'm reading from the NIV, but I'm going to change the language because I have this Bible at home that has four translations, and I like to read it side by side and see what the different translations say. And um, the NIV is going to say sorrow. The ESV uses the phrase godly grief. And, and so I want to read this. So Paul had written a letter 
talking to them about some sin that was going on, and, and it, he kind of hurt their feelings. <laughs> so in 2 Corinthians, he's kind of talking about this. So this is uh, 2 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 8. Paul says, Even if I caused you grief by my letter, I don't regret it. I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorrow, but because your grief led you to repentance. I'll say that again. Your grief led you to repentance. For you became uh, full of godly grief. And so you were not harmed in any way. Godly grief brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves leaves no regret. But worldly grief brings death. So I'm going to talk to you just a real quick second about the difference between godly grief and worldly grief. So worldly grief says, oh my goodness, I did a bad thing. I'm a bad person. I'm the worst. And you look in the mirror and you say, no one has ever done what I've done. My life is over. I'm a total failure. Worldly grief takes us to shame. And what do we do when we feel shame? We run and we make excuses. This is opening pages of the Bible. Even Adam. When they experience shame, they run, they try to hide, they try to cover, they try to deny, they try to make excuses. And that's worldly grief. But what is godly grief? Godly grief says, I did something bad, but that's not my identity. I did something bad, but I, that doesn't mean I am bad. I am a child of God. So worldly grief says, I'm a bad person. Godly grief said, I do bad things, but my identity is a child of God. Worldly grief says, my life is over. It'll never be the same. No one will ever forgive me. Godly grief says, there's a path. There's a path towards redemption and reconciliation and even renewal. And out of that godly grief comes a type of salvation where we say, well, what should we do now? And that's what they tell John. What should we do? And it's reminiscent of Pentecost, right? When they're told they've killed the Messiah, and they say, what should we do? They go to John, what should we do? And it's very simple. But this comes out of their godly grief, right? But it's very simple. It says, if you've got, you got two coats, give one away. If you've got more food than you need, give food away. If you're a tax collector... Quit cheating people. Take the right amount. If you're in law enforcement, be just, be a person of integrity in how you carry out law enforcement. Like, like that's what he says. So in the grief process, in the repentance process, there's a, I own my stuff, but then I decide, what am I going to do differently? Because otherwise it's just words. Otherwise it's just semantics. You know, John says here, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. How many times has someone told you, I'm sorry, their behavior didn't change? How many times has someone said, I love you, they did not act like they loved you? So repentance is, leads to behavior that is in line with what you're saying. And yet there's this beauty of the passage that it moves towards, it moves towards this idea of baptism. I wasn't here last week, I was listening to the podcast. I believe it was Bonnie that read the Malachi 3 passage, which is a prophecy about John the Baptist. And talked about the refiner's fire and talked about 
the launderer's soap? Because what's involved in repentance is, hey, you were beloved. If you can admit what you've done, you haven't done too, anything too great that God can't clean it. God is going to clean us up. The launderer's soap. As, as John says, someone that's going to baptize with fire. It's his Holy Spirit. And it's a cleansing, but it's also an ability to do something different. So here's what I want to do if, if I close. As I close, not if I close. Sorry. It's out of practice after one week, I'm extorting people and threatening not to finish. Everybody grab a bulletin and turn to the back of the bulletin. Okay, when it comes to confession and repentance, here's a, here's a struggle we have in the Church of Christ. I'm going to lay it out here real quick. We're not Catholic. We don't confess to priests, right? Um, and I get all the reasons for that. I'm not going to get into deep theology of that, but we don't confess to priests. We're a revivalist tradition. And so some of you can grow up remembering the, the altar call. If you've never heard just as I am 12 times in a row, you've never lived, right? So some of us... Remember the revivalist call. Everybody come forward, sit on the front pew, confess and repent of your sin. It just didn't happen as much for a variety of reasons. And sometimes that led to a stratification of sin. Some sins were real sins. Some sins were not real sins. And uh, that did. sometimes that led to good things. Sometimes it led to bad things. But here's the problem we're in. I don't know that we have a culture of confession and repentance. And I'm not trying to, like, solve that today. But... Um, if you haven't confessed and repented of sin in a while, you're not going to experience the change you hope to seek in your life. So, I don't know how that's going to work out for you, but I know that my life gets wonky when I'm not confessing and repenting. And I need to confess. So who do I confess to? Who should you confess sin to? Where it starts is the person you sinned against is a good place for confession to start. And so, my family, here's the majority of my confessions. The greatest thing, I'm just not prepared to cry. The greatest thing my father has taught me is my father has always confessed sin to me. Since I was a child, he would say, son, that was a sin. I was wrong. I am sorry. And I did not know that was abnormal until I was an adult. Parents, confess. If you sin against your children, confess your sin to your children. And it will give them a gift they will have their entire lives. If you sin against your spouse, confess your sin to your spouse. And don't do it. This is, this is a confession. Don't confess your sin so that they'll confess theirs. Confess your sin with no expectation. It will change your marriage. It will change your life. But then what about all the other junk you do? What about all the stuff you do yourself? Confess your sin to someone. I'm blessed with a very close relationship with Matt, Brian, and Paul. I confess sin to them. Ryan Solomon and I take a walk in the woods two or three times a year. I confess sin to him. I confess sin to, to Spencer. Um, and it is a gift, friends, to have people in your life that you can confess and repent with. And so, 
What I want you to meditate on, Amy put it under sermon notes, the top of the back of the bulletin. I'm going to invite you to say this with me, just, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And then I want you to either put this in your Bible or put it in your pocket and think about it. Repentance, when John says bear fruit in keeping and repentance, it's not just saying I'm sorry. It's saying this, it, I'm sorry and this is what I'm going to do different. So I just put there, I will stop doing blank and I will start doing blank. That's repentance. You put it in your Bible, put it in your pocket, you, you can do that later. But this top one, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. I'm going to say it once and then anybody that wants to, I'm going to repeat it and say it with me together. We're just going to confess together. So I'll say it once, then you join me the second time. I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus. Together. I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus. And that, my friends, is where it all starts. That's what it means to read the instructions before we get to the first problem. I want you to know that God loves you. God forgives you. Jesus wants something better for you. And may we fan the flame of the Spirit so we can live like we were created to live. What number is it, Larry? 588. Let's stand together and sing. Sinners Jesus will receive Sound this word of grace to all Who the heavenly pathway lead All who linger, all who fall Sing it o'er and o'er again. Christ receive a sinful man. Make the message clear and plain. Christ receive a sinful man. Come and he will give you rest. Trust him for his word is plain. He will take the sinful as. Christ receive a sinful man, sing it o'er and o'er again. Christ receive a sinful man, make the message clear and plain. Christ receive a sinful man, now my heart condemns me not, you're before the law I stand. He who cleansed me from a spot, satisfied his last command, sing it o'er and o'er again. Christ receive a sinful man, make the message clear and plain. Christ receive a sinful man, Christ receive a sinful man. Even me with all my sin, first from every spot and stain, heaven with him I enter in, sing it o'er and o'er again. Christ receive a sinful man, make the message clear and plain. Christ receive a sinful man. Supper 300. <clears throat> 300. <clears throat> I'm going to sing all four verses and then sing the chorus. <clears throat> oh.
I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free. I will tell the wondrous story how my lost escaped to save in his boundless love and mercy he the ransom freely gave i will praise my dear redeemer his triumphant power i tell how the victory he giveth over sin and death and hell i will sing of my Redeemer and his heavenly love to me. He from death to life hath brought me, Son of God, with him to be. Sing, oh sing, of my Redeemer with his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. To prepare our minds for communion, I'll be reading Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death to, on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray for the bread. Dear Lord, we come before you humbled and thankful, um, and particularly thankful that we are able to share in this communion today, considering all the loss took place over this week in our region, Lord. We are thankful that we are standing here before you today to partake um, in this bread. We pray that we don't take it for granted, uh, but we are able to examine our own hearts and recognize how uh, this breaking of the bread is reflected in our daily lives. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's pray for the cup. 
Lord, we come before you again, thankful that we get to uh, participate in communion together. We specifically ask prayers for this cup, and that we can use this moment to reflect on how, uh, what this cup represents in our lives and how we are acting out on that sacrifice daily. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Five hundred eighty three. Five eight three. Sing to me of heaven, sing that song of peace from the toils that bind me, it will bring release. Burdens will be lifted that are pressing, so showers of great blessing or my heart will flow. Sing to me of heaven, let me fondly dream of its golden glory, of its pearly gleam. Sing to me when shadows of the evening fall. Sing to me of heaven's sweetest song of all. Sing to me of heaven as I walk alone. Dreaming of the comrades that so long have gone. 
In a fairer region among the angel throng, they are happy as they sing that old sweet song. Sing to me of heaven, let me fondly dream of its golden glory, of its pearly gleam. Sing to me when shadows of the evening fall. Sing to me of heaven's sweetest song of all. Sing to me of heaven tenderly and low. Till the shadows for me rise and swiftly go. When my heart is weary, when the day is long, sing to me of heaven, sing that old sweet song. Sing to me of heaven, let me fondly dream of its golden glory, of its pearly gleam. Sing to me when shadows of the evening fall. Sing to me of heaven's sweetest song of all.
we recognize it and we share it. And if we're too afraid to share it, that someone else recognizes it in us and comes to us. That's what family is for. And we know that our family here at Ackland is like that. And it's not because of anything we did, but it's because of you. And we praise you for keeping our family that way. And we ask your guidance as we continue on this path to stay in your path. And all this we ask through your son's name. Amen. Beloved, as we go through this week, do not rest in despair when you go through repentance because we are here for you. Spend time in repentance today thinking about the things that do separate us. But find someone. Don't do it alone. If it's the most secret thing you never want to share, share it with God. But if you find yourself in a hole that you can't get out of, call, text, email, do whatever you have to do because we are here for you. For all of you, she had announcements this week. <laughs> and uh, everything was fine this morning until Paul Spivey told me that I would be held to the standard of Sarah Edwards. <laughs> my, my only thought was this app I have on my phone. <laughs> Love that. I get the lighthearted part today, so that's great for a change. I get to announce that today is not only Sophie Spivey's 15-year-old birthday, but J.C. Green's 16-year-old birthday. Wow! And... The 16th is Carla Green's 30th year birthday. <clears throat> we have two anniversaries coming up. Tomorrow is my and Jenny's birthday. I mean, anniversary. <laughs> sort of a birthday. <clears throat> and the 15th is JP and Beth's anniversary. They haven't quite been married as long as Jenny and I, but 20 years. So tonight we have a, a candlelight service at 5 o'clock here. And uh, that's always very enjoyable. And then uh, they have some caroling coming up. I'm sure you've seen the bulletin. Maybe you've already been able to participate in one. But the 15th, they're going to go to Judy Jackson's. She does that in traditions of Mill Creek. And uh, at 6.30 and then I think uh, what is it this next Sunday, the 19th, they're going to Carroll at 6 p.m. at uh, Crane Crouch's uh, morning point. 
where she resides. Uh, this coming Thursday, they have the youth group, uh, youth group Christmas party. It's at the Conways this year, six to eight. They're gonna have a sneaky Santa. For those who wanna participate, five to $10 rack gift and asking the teams to bring some finger foods and dessert if possible. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward that they're gonna resume small group in January, starting January the 9th. You can see the dates that they'll have small group in there. Are the small groups gonna stay the same? Is that, yes, okay. thumbs up from JP. So the small groups that we were doing will be the same starting again with January 9th. And uh, there's a lot of things coming up in further Rome, like in February, they have the, the Jules House volunteerism. It's at uh, Camp Ouija Wagon and a prayer retreat in February. And uh, then we go on out to, to uh, oh, uh, March, yeah. The Senior Huddle is gonna be a weekend trip to Dollywood this year, it looks like. March 25th to 27th, I hope they can pull that off. I love Dollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I get to go to the youth group. You sing your own, but anyway, I love it. So uh, remember all the ones that are uh, have illness. Of course, we continue to pray for our own. Mary Ann has completed her chemo, recovered from her surgery. No recurrence found thus far. Right? Christy, we need to continue to pray for her, remember her. She has a, had a severe traumatic brain injury and recovered from that is wax and wane. Like I told her, it's just a constant, you gotta look at kind of a trend line kind of thing on that. It takes a long, 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 long time to get over something like that. Greg Gordon is at home recovery and uh, Anna Marie's father's in hospice. As uh, Robbie prayed for and mentioned, those uh, you're remembering cancer treatment, of course, also is Joyce, Joyce Rutledge. Friends of uh, Jennifer Nancy, friends of Mary Ann Shelley, Gordon's friend Aiden, and uh, Chris Nod, church's friend Brett, and Conway's friend Skyler, and uh, James Fivey's stepmother. Uh, I'm sorry, James Spivey, Miss Spivey's, who, who, which Spivey's stepmother is that? It just says Spivey's. We've got like half the population congregation here, Spivey's. I love them. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and Bonnie's aunts, Pam and Debbie. And their missionaries, Jason and Emily Miller, Lindsey Crinks, Manuel Perdomo in El Salvador, and then in Guatemala, Hawatia. <clears throat> Anything else? There's coffee downstairs, I presume. Okay. Good week.
bet on the first Sunday or part of the congregation singing, you would have saved the back of the I wouldn't have bet on that. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http Thanks again for joining us. God bless.